Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And today's guest is Peter Vogel. And Peter is a serial entrepreneur, has worked with many fintech and loyalty startups, and has recently co-founded LeafWire. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that. But it's investment platform specifically suited to investors in the cannabis space. And I'm looking forward to that conversation and hearing more about Peter and the LeafWire business and where they're at. So, Peter, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having us, Bruce. So why don't we start with learning a little bit more about you? So you've been a serial entrepreneur. You've, this is not your first rodeo when it comes to starting up a company. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to be an entrepreneur, some of your experiences you've had, and then then we can get into LeafWire a little bit. Sure. So over the last 20 plus years, I've been in the online startup space, mostly in online advertising and marketing, helping co-found and lead a variety of different companies affiliate marketing companies, advertising companies, loyalty programs where people earn points online and got gift cards. So I've been in and out of about five different companies. Mm -hmm. We've had successful exits. I've had companies that have not had successful <laughs> exits that have yeah. run out of money, as you know, a lot of people have. Yeah. We've raised you know millions from VCs, angels, family offices. So I've kind of run the gamut of starting companies, seeing companies succeed, seeing companies fail, raising money. But for me, it's been primarily an online marketing advertising. So cannabis was new to me about a year ago. Got it. And how did you get into cannabis? Like what was the precipitating set of events that got you into this industry? So a good friend of mine who is CEO of a company uh, called Simplifya. Oh, yes. Uh, Jordan. You've actually yeah. you've interviewed, I think, Jordan a while back. Yeah. So 
The CEO of that company, Marion Mariah Thaisen, used to be CEO of a company in the loyalty space online about a decade ago. Got it. So we were in a similar kind of industry. Marion and I got to be friends about 10 years ago, just stayed in touch. And about a year and a half ago, we had lunch and he told me he had jumped into cannabis and what he was doing with Simplify. And him and a group of investors had come up with this idea for LeafWire and they needed someone to run it. So he convinced me to quit my, my job and jump right into cannabis and just start a company from scratch. And I'm curious, I, I'm always, this is kind of a question I always ask people about, you know, getting into the cannabis space. How, you know, how was it for you kind of personally in terms of, you know, getting involved in a cannabis company? Um, were, was there any kind of family or social impact in terms of, you know, who would want to hang out with you or who wanted to or who didn't want to hang out with you? You know, I, I think maybe I was a little spoiled because since I live in Denver, Colorado, yeah. You know, it's been it became recreational legal back in 2012. Yeah. So, I mean, it's literally been six years at this point that people have kind of been getting used to it. And it's kind of each year, it's kind of a little less of a big deal that yeah. people yeah. don't care. So me jumping in in 2000, the, the very end, basically right in the beginning of 2018, you know, the the entire state was kind of already. I mean, I knew I knew lots of people that had jobs in cannabis. There were lots of people who who knew how much money there was. I knew investors, so it wasn't really that big a, a jump. Yeah. All right. So, and I think that the pattern or the trend that I've seen is, you know, folks that are in geographies in states that have had you know various forms of legalization for some time, it's a much easier jump. I've spoken with folks that are in in less kind of cannabis progressive states, and it's um it. it can be more of an impact on them personally when they, they get involved. Sometimes they know it up front. Sometimes they're surprised, but it is it is always a factor. And I think it's a it's a it's a nature of the industry um, is where we are sort of culturally and socially about about this uh, about this industry and, the, and this particular plant product. So let's talk about LeafWire. So what what I mean, I guess getting recruited into this, what was interesting for you? I mean, I, from thinking, you know, as a serial entrepreneur, like what were the things, what were the boxes that got ticked for you in terms of, you know, this is something you wanted to get involved in? Why, why was it attractive? One, I, th- I thought it was a really interesting concept because I, I've, I had been involved with raising money for various startups. And like I mentioned, I've raised, you know, millions of dollars from venture capital firms, from angel investors, from family offices. So I've, I've been involved in fundraising efforts many times. So I understood that it's hard. It takes a while. The more help you can get, the better. And once I started learning more about cannabis, I learned that, one, obviously, there's a little less money available, mm-hmm. right, which makes sense because of the social stigma, because of the laws, because of lots of reasons. So the pool of money is a little smaller that's available to cannabis entrepreneurs. And it's also very common that cannabis entrepreneurs are not quite as sophisticated or as experienced as some of their tech counterparts. Yeah. And that's merely, merely because for a lot of people, it's their first time starting a company. They haven't done it. They don't have a network. You know, they, they haven't, they don't have 20 investors waiting. And a lot of times in tech, especially nowadays, I mean, the whole tech startup industry, I mean, it's been around since the, the 90s. So for some people, it's, they've been in 30, 40 years. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a long uh, time frame. You talk to people in tech a lot, they're starting a company, you know, like, oh, it's their fourth company. You know, they're going to go back to X, Y, and Z investors yeah. three times already. Yeah. In cannabis, it's, you know, someone's inventing the newest vape pen or a technology to power HR for cannabis or payroll or whatever. Everything's new. So, Typically, a lot of these people are younger first-time entrepreneurs, so you have this this gap between, you know, one, a little less money, and then this 
group of entrepreneurs who don't have the infrastructure or network set up already that a lot of other people do. So there's this big gap. It's hard to raise money. It's hard to connect with people. Like, how do you find the people? So that really intrigued me. And then it was a combination of the the team of people. So in addition to Marion, who I mentioned, the CEO mm-hmm. of Simplify, there was another investor, Alan Bankier, who is um, on the board of New Frontier Data, 1906. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, he's on the he was on the board of Ebu, which just had a big big outcome. So he's on the board of multiple different companies, an investor, and you know many more. In addition to the the law firm of Vicente Cederberg, yep. so Brian Vicente and Christian Cederberg, who helped write you know the, the laws in Colorado back in 2012, were one of the first most credible, experienced, reputable law firms in cannabis. They were some of the first investors, along with Alan and Marion. So I knew that I was coming in and joining a team of people who were actually old school, you know, respected cannabis professionals, investors, business people. So it wasn't just, hey, let's just, we have this idea, let's just start it. It was, hey, here's a group of four or five people that have been in cannabis for 10 years, invested a lot of money, and they actually know what they're doing. And they want to bring you in to do this. Yeah, no, and I think it's like like any uh, kind of investor or any kind of you know seasoned entrepreneur that's coming in and looking at you know what is the recipe for success. You know, making sure that it's not only a great idea, but you've got the right the right people and the right kind of network and stuff behind it. So um, yeah. good. So so let's talk a little bit more about Leafwire and and what specifically is the goal? Like what what are you focused on creating in terms of you know helping with the investment sort of matchmaking process? Like what role do you want to play and and how are you looking at it from a model point of view? So we, we kind of serve a couple purposes in the industry. Uh, we started off with the vision of just being kind of like an angel list type platform for cannabis and uh-huh. for, for people that don't know that. AngelList is a, a website from the tech industry that basically creates a platform where accredited investors can meet startup companies that are raising money. And then that's very much focused in the tech space. So we wanted to create that same kind of platform where accredited investors could come on, they could look at deals, they could reach out to people that are fundraising, and they could all connect. We've kind of realized over the last couple of months, though, that we're also we're serving as kind of like a LinkedIn of cannabis as well. Yeah. The reality is everyone's not fundraising all the time. A lot of people come on the platform, just like LinkedIn, we have a news feed. People post news, people promote their company, people ask for help, people post jobs. Uh, so it's really the whole business of cannabis. So whatever business needs you have, it's all about connecting with people, finding partners, finding employees, promoting events, announcing your newest products, and connecting with investors. So the initial concept was really very focused on just the investing part. And we realized that, hey, there's an entire business, there's a whole industry of people that need to connect and meet each other and fulfill multiple business needs. So it's turning more and more into kind of this platform that's serving all these different business needs for people. It's interesting because I think, you know, one of the dynamics I keep seeing playing out in this cannabis space is companies that are solving a problem that other companies would naturally solve or existing companies would naturally solve, but because it's in the cannabis space, they don't want to touch. So like this idea of becoming like the LinkedIn of the cannabis space, you know, to what extent do you find that platforms like LinkedIn are not serving the community either well or as well 
because of the dynamics of cannabis. And then so so these kind of opportunities come up. Like I think of uh, like Yelp and uh, I think it was Weed Maps, you know, where it's like Yelp basically said, look, you can't do anything with cannabis on our platform. So it was like, well, okay. So people are just going to start a company, which is basically Yelp for cannabis, you know, and, and it creates a situation where these kind of vacuums that end up getting created where companies can come in and fill. Do you see that as part of the dynamic that you're finding with LeafR? A hundred percent. It's interesting you asked that question because the, the whole reason I got brought in is the group of investors that I was working with had invested in Simplifya. And uh-huh. Simplify is a company that, that does compliance for cannabis companies. And there's plenty of other companies outside of cannabis that do the same sort of thing, but nothing for cannabis. So they created that solution for a gap in the industry. Yeah. And several of the same investors also invested in Work, W-U-R-K, which does HR and payroll, you know, specifically yeah. for cannabis. And then you have companies like, you know, MJ Freeway, which does POS systems and tracking and uh-huh. stuff like that, that, you know, other places do, but not in cannabis. So they were looking around for gaps in the industry that are fulfilled, that are, are solved in other industries. One of the big opportunities in cannabis is to look at what are the services that aren't being provided to the industry that are available in every other industry, but not cannabis. Yeah. And one of the ones they found is fundraising, finding some platform, some way to help people connect, meet, and raise money. So yeah. that really was the impetus of what caused LeafWire to be formed is looking at what are the gaps in the industry that need to be filled. Yeah. And I think I'm seeing a lot of that kind of dynamic. Now, you know, obviously, or or maybe not obviously, but the, the, you know, that's being driven by this whole issue of, you know, federal legislation and that it's being still federally illegal. What, what do you see as being the, the shift in plate tectonics here when things go federally legal? I mean, what's, what's your sense on how, I mean, I guess some of these businesses in general, but, you know, yours specifically, how, how does the world change? How does the map change for you once federal legalization, you know, assuming that it comes in some foreseeable future, say in the next five years, what do you see happening or what's the what's the strategy for you? Yeah. So one, I think the, the immediate effect would be a massive amount of people uh, <laughs> yeah. coming into the industry. So one, you're going to have a lot of money in a lot of states. Yeah. People already see dollar signs, right? So once your state, once the government alone no longer makes it illegal, you're going to see a bunch of these huge institutional investors looking for opportunities. They're going to start pouring money into different companies. I think there's going to be a ton of consolidation. So the yeah. big companies start buying up a lot of the little ones. A lot of groups will start forming. They'll go buy up four, five, six companies and try and go public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some big private equity firm will bankroll the whole thing. So I think you'll see a lot of money pouring in. And you're going to see a lot of you know angel investors. All of a sudden, individuals are going to say, Hmm. You know, my 401k is all in, you know, oil and gas and energy stocks. Like maybe I should look at cannabis now. It's actually legal. Yeah. So I think you're going to have a ton of people who all of a sudden are very interested. And also, you know, on the other side, you're going to have people who have been in states where it's illegal that suddenly see opportunity. You're going to have hundreds of new companies in every state start popping up. So you're going to have lots and lots more companies who start forming because suddenly they're allowed to do it in their state and they want to they want to you know jump on the wave the the initial the first year effect is going to be a huge amount of money pouring in huge amount of investment consolidation and a huge amount of new companies so i think for us it'll be a big boom and obviously you know leafwire would love for 
a big company to come acquire us. <laughs> yeah. Like, even like, you know, even like a LinkedIn, like, yeah. like even the company like an angel, a LinkedIn, any a large networking company. Yeah. It seems to be the strategy for, for a lot of, a lot of folks now in this industry is, is kind of this, you know, can I, can I get big enough and do my own roll up to, you know, combat the forces of, you know, the big companies that are going to come in once it goes federal, or can I carve out enough of a niche and a, you know, value that it's easier to, to buy me than it is to compete with me. So I think that seems to be how things are kind of playing out. The question is always when, you know, if, if we go federally legal in six months, it's very different than if we do it in five years. So, you know, part of what makes it interesting as an industry right now. So let's talk a little bit about the investor side, because I think that uh, there's a lot of nuances given the legislation, given the, the laws about investing in the space, be, being an investor, the different types of investors. What help us understand why this is a little, this isn't like just putting money into a tech startup and, and what is it, what are the considerations that you really need to have thinking about investing in the space? Well, you know, what, one of the things that a lot of the newer investors seem more comfortable with is looking at ancillary companies. So, I mean, obviously, I'm, obviously as you're familiar with, and I'm sure yeah. most of yeah. your listeners are, you know, the plant touching companies and non-plant touching. The last numbers I heard, and these were probably a little old, so, you know, correct me if you know better, but I think there's about 30,000 licenses out there uh, issued by the states, each, yeah. each state by state, maybe maybe a little more now. I, I think it's a little be. more, but yeah, I think that you're you're within six to 12 months of the licenses, yeah. Okay, so 35, 40,000, maybe something like that. Yeah, I think that's uh, what I heard. So that's plant-touching companies. So those are companies that can either grow, move, uh, transport, process, or sell. So companies that actually take the, the plant, do something with it, or sell it. And most people, uh, the the accepted number I, I hear normally is there's about three to four times as many ancillary companies. Yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be curious to hear if you heard any different, but that's normal. No, that seems about right. I, I think there's, you know, for every plant touching company in the space, there's, yeah, probably about three to five, I would say, you know, cannabis based company that is not plant touching, you know, it's ancillary products and services around it. Kind of depends on how far you get on the product chain, but, you know, it's significant. Yeah, I mean, and, then, and you, you think about it, it's everything. Think about how many service providers one company has, whether it's legal, accounting, yeah. tech development, media, you know, packaging. cleaning, security, lighting, yeah. <laughs> like it just goes. On and on. So, I mean, there's so many companies, each one company needs to support it. So if you have, you know, let's just use the number 40,000, there's 40,000 licenses and there's four times as many, there's 160,000 ancillary companies. Yeah. And when you're investing in those companies, you don't necessarily have to worry about state by state laws. You don't have to get your attorney doesn't have to spend as much time figuring out if you're investing, how it's legal, et cetera, yeah, exactly. because of the state laws. So I think one of the I've found that especially the newer investors, it's easier to jump into cannabis and invest in a non-plant touching company. And there's so many of them too. And they're also for a lot of people, these are very intuitive, logical. Like you know, everyone else obviously has experiences working outside of cannabis, whether you're in advertising, banking, law you know, logistics. So it's sometimes, you know, easy to find a company that makes sense to you where you you might work in a technology company that, you know, creates widgets XYZ and you you learn about a, a you know a company that's creating some sort of technology for cannabis that's, you know, in the same world you're in somewhat. So you can kind of you can learn about it, understand it, analyze it, and it makes sense to you, right? Yeah growing, you know, on a facility with X amount of acres and this and that, like, 
if you're not a farmer, have you even done that? <laughs> exactly. Kind of, like kind of guessing, like, uh, sure, that sounds great, right? Yeah. So, yeah, investing in an industry that is at least tangential to what you do for a lot of people is comfortable and easy and doesn't require as much legwork. Yeah, I think it's smart. That's kind of the advice I give for people for entrepreneurs, for founders who want to start a business in cannabis and everyone's like, oh, I want to, I want to start a grow or I'm going to do a dispensary. And I was like, wait, just take, take what you know really, really well. So if you're a staffing company or you're a, you know, marketing consultant or yeah, you know how to do product development, you know, just, just pivot that into the cannabis space and find an opportunity yeah. to leverage those skills. Cause yeah, I mean, it's going to give you grounding. It's going to give you, and, and honestly, the industry needs all these experts. I mean, it's, you know, quite honestly, I don't think we need any more growers and <laughs> dispensers right now. We've got a lot of them. What we need are all the products and services around it that support those businesses. So I think that makes sense. In terms of what you've seen, so in terms of the investments themselves, what have you seen in terms of the the structure, the style? I mean, are people doing? Um, is this mostly equity equity positions? Are people doing debt? Is there blended investments here? What, what do you see as driving the investment side for this industry right now? You know, I'd say most common for the ancillary type companies are definitely equity investments. Oftentimes, it's a convertible note in the beginning, yeah. uh, where someone you know will invest, and there'll be a, a, the valuation's not set, but oftentimes there's a cap. It's not going to go above X, and if you you know invest early, you get a twenty percent discount to whatever the valuation ends up being. That's pretty common. I would say equity, just straight equity uh, investments, are pretty common. I hear occasionally about there's a lot of companies offering debt coming in. Hmm. They typically though want, you know, it's like a hard asset loan. They want either some sort of real estate, some sort of collateral, something yeah. backing it up. And the problem most ancillary companies don't have a license. They don't have real estate. They don't have, you know, a patent. They don't have anything that has that value. So I think it's more more common you see some growers or dispensaries will do some of those debt deals because they actually have a facility, they have a they grow, they have a dispensary, or they already have revenue, or yep. they have a license, or they they have something that can be can be used as collateral. So you you see that a little more often, I think, for the plant touching companies, but the non-plant touching, I'd say, equity is much more common. Yeah, that no, makes sense. And in terms of how you've kind of modeling your business or the kind of product services that you've created, so your goal is to be kind of you know a matchmaker, a conduit between investors and entrepreneurs and the you know company founders who are looking to get capital into their business. What have you? I guess how have you actually done that? Is this purely online? I know you've got you know online stuff. Are you doing live events? Are you doing uh, or, or consultative, more consultative things? Like what has worked for you in terms of actually? fulfilling on that purpose yes we do i mean obviously we, we have the online platform and that's mostly like a self-serve platform so mm -hmm. we people go on and use it how they want and connect with each other and we hear anecdotally people tell us they met people they raised money xyz we're actually going to put together kind of like a testimonial type page to show some of that we're working on that right now other than that, we have actually done events, and I think events are really important in cannabis. The the person-to-person -person connection seems to be more important in cannabis than almost mm -hmm. most other industries I've been in. Meeting people, you know, shaking their hand, seeing them time and time again really creates this sense of credibility, and people start to know you and trust you. I think there has been, in cannabis, you know, there's been good and bad actors, right? And there's yep. been some people that kind of come and go pretty fast and are just in there for a quick buck, and they come in and out. And 
So not everyone trusts you immediately when you're when you're joining the industry. Yeah. You kind of have to prove yourself a bit because there's there has been a lot of years of people that have been in and out pretty fast. Yeah. So these events I think are super vital to create those relationships to show consistency, to really show people who you are. And so we've done seven uh, Shark Tank style events over the last yeah. six months or so. Mm-hmm. We've done uh, like all across the country. We did one in Vancouver. We've done Miami. We've done San Francisco. We did two in LA, two in Denver. This year, we already have planned New York in May, Boston shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. I think we're going back to uh, San Francisco for another one as well. So we, we have three probably coming up in the next three or four months that we're still kind of finalizing the dates on some of them. Yeah. So we found that we can do about six companies. And we'll, what we do, this is after you know a little bit of trial and error, we do three-minute pitches and then three-minute Q&A from the judges. Uh-huh. And we, at almost all these events, so we have five, six judges Crowds are typically about, you know, 100 to 150 people. So they tend to be pretty well attended, ends up being standing room only in most of them. Uh, But almost, uh, I'd say every single one we get managing directors of some of the biggest investment funds. We've had um, uh, Emily Paxia from Poseidon Fund. Uh, We've had Tahira Ramatella from uh, Hyper and Mtech. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, and we just had a Jessica Billingsley, CEO of MJ Freeway. Yeah. Uh, we've had the CEO of Work. We had a Brian Vicente, founder of Vicente Cedarberg. Um, Matthew Nordgren from Arcadian Fund. Oh yeah. Evan, Evan Endeman, one of the founders of Casa Verde Capital. Uh, so we, we've had you know a lot of the biggest names in cannabis at these events, and uh, it's a great way to kind of. For us to get to know them, but also to, to let all the companies we're bringing, also get to know all these CEOs and, and you know investment fund managers and just kind of bring the industry together. So I think it's been a really good way for us to show that LeafWire you know, kind of believes in the industry and we were helping the industry. And we don't charge the companies to be in it. You know, we don't charge people. We're you know, we're not we're not trying to make money from it. We're just trying to bring the community together. Yeah, yeah, and kind of that network effect. Be the, be the people that make the network. So smart. And in terms of in terms of your business model and how how do you make money if you're not cha- if you're not charging for the events and uh, or if you're not charging for people to kind of pitch and things like that. Like where where do you where do you take your cut? What is the what is the model for you in terms of creating a you know successful business? Yeah, sure. So we we are similar to kind of a LinkedIn type model where it's a freemium model, meaning it's free for everyone to join. And there's lots of things everyone can do for free. And then there's premium type features that people pay for. So for example, we're, we're adding a, a job board where people can post jobs. Yeah. We're adding a kind of a, we're calling, we're calling it a marketplace, but it's going to be kind of like a yellow page type listings where people can promote their companies. And we're doing that because we, we've, we've literally almost every day, I have someone emailing me personally asking if I can recommend a lawyer in California who understands cannabis law, yeah, exactly. or an accountant who knows how to deal with 280E, or a, a bank or payment processing company that's comfortable with cannabis or hemp. So we, we get we get questions us all the time. And what we have right now is a, it's a news feed, so people can promote their company, but everything disappears slowly, right? Because the more yeah. things are posted, they go away. So the whole idea of a marketplace is having a static listing where companies can pay a monthly fee, to promote their company, and we're going to have say 50 different you know categories from technology like point of sale systems, loyalty programs to 
um, to lawyers, to accountants, yeah. to banks, to uh, shipping, logistics, packaging. So all these categories, people can put their up their companies and then industry professionals who are trying to find someone will have a place they can go look for it and contact them. Yeah, uh, And that'll be monthly fee. Um, we're going to have a couple other monthly fees that are similar to LinkedIn, where if you think of, you know, LinkedIn individuals pay a monthly subscription in order to see, you know, who's looking at their profile mm-hmm. in order to send messages to people that aren't connected to them in order to use the, you know, the most thorough search functionality, things like that. So it's like the premium levels of service. So we have four or five different revenue streams. Uh, another one actually, I forgot to mention is, is just advertising Yeah, on our platform form or email and you know it's interesting so we're up to right now we just passed 7,000 members so we have 7,000 cannabis professionals congratulations yeah thank you we're yeah. excited it's been faster growth than we actually expected yeah and we'll, we'll be at 10,000 by April and these are so these are not consumers these are all industry professionals uh, all working for cannabis businesses and investors yeah um, so by the time we get to you know 10,000 uh, members we're one of the top three or four kind of uh, marketing platforms out there. I mean, you're looking at Marijuana Business Daily, right? Yep. Who runs MJ BizCon. You're looking at someone like, you know, Gondrepreneur does a, you know, a newsletter, Cannabis Business Executive, Executive Cannabis Business Times. I mean, once you get past a couple of those, I mean, there's really not people out there that have scale and we're going to be at 10,000 shortly. So we're, you know, very shortly, we're going to be in the top three or four biggest platforms to, to reach cannabis business professionals. Yeah. So advertising quickly became something much bigger than we really thought of in the beginning. Um, as we as we learned that there's it's hard for companies to reach other cannabis companies, um, you know, based on restrictions because of Google, Facebook, YouTube, etc. Yeah. You know, so it, it's just not that many places to do it. So we just kind of unintentionally are becoming a, a big, you know, business media platform because there's not much else out there. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's uh, not an uncommon story for a lot of early stage companies. <laughs> they, get, they get into the business, but there's a certain model and then they get started getting some feedback. They see traction in, in different areas and, and they pivot and they adjust. So I think that not surprising, but it's always always kind of fun to hear hear where uh, where things are working and uh, how to leverage them. Peter, this has been great. We're going to hit time here. If people want to find out more about you, about LeafWire, what's the best way to get that information? One, just to come on and join LeafWire. You know, it's a Right now, it's everything is completely free. You just join, create an account. You can connect with thousands of other cannabis professionals. So I highly encourage everyone to just come on and join join our community. I mean, we're really just trying to support the whole community and the whole industry. And the more people, the more effective it is. So come join us. And anyone that wants to reach out to me specifically, my email is peter at leafwire.com. And happy to communicate and give more information to anyone who wants to, to chat. And definitely welcome anyone to reach out to me. Perfect. I'll make sure that the link and the email and stuff is in the show notes so people can get easy access to that. Again, Peter, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I love the platform idea and I love the fact that you're bringing this community together. I think it's much needed and uh, I've learned a lot. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.